Oh, oh, oh. 
It's after 6 a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nachum Siegel. Welcome to a Friday Erev Shabbos. This is your Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program. But every key is locked inside Your faith is shaken to the ground When all the hope you cling to slips away You're treading water When desert winds are blowing sand astray Sun's getting hotter The highest mountains block your view The woods are deep you can't see through You're losing hope you'll ever find your way
p.m. in the a.m. Good morning and welcome to 91.1 FM, 90.1 FM in the Catskills, Rockland County at 91.9 on the FM dial, around the world on the web, jmtheam.org. A special greeting to those who are tuned in on the NSN, Nahum Siegel Network app. Remember, you can comment on anything going on on the home screen of that app, and that's good for Android, good for your iPhone. Etc. Etc. Friday morning on this January the second. Hope 2015 has been good to you so far. Eleventh day in the month of Teves. Hope you had an easy fast yesterday. The year is five seven seven five. Tufshinai and hey, it's Erev Shabbos Parshas Vayechi. Can you believe the Book of Bracious is closing out this week? It, it, I can't believe it. It really seems like yesterday that it was Simchas Torah. It seems like yesterday, and it is. Uh, it is the um, Conclusion of Safer Bracious for us in this cycle tomorrow. It, it's just unbelievable. Candle lighting at 419, 419, your official candle lighting time on this era of Shabbos. 35 degrees outside with 55% humidity. Winds are west at 10 miles an hour. Mostly sunny today with a high temperature of 42. Then tonight, partly cloudy, a low of 30. Tomorrow afternoon rain, a high Shabbos, 40 degrees. Yushalayim is it? I, I can't figure out what Yushalayim is at. <laughs> it says the temperature now is 63, but the high for today is 51. So I can't quite figure it out. I assume it's somewhere in the mid-50s in the holy city of Jerusalem. We're at 35 degrees here in Jersey City as we say good morning at the JM in the AM. Uh, I want to thank uh, again those who uh, sat in earlier in the week. Randy, Mark, and Mayer was good to be back yesterday. If you missed any of our conversation with Dr. Noam Weinberg, it's in the archive section of jmtheam.org, of course. Reminder, we have amazing programming all day long on our stream at jmtheam.org. I'll give you that rundown coming up as we present a wonderful Arab Shabbos music mix preceded by Naomi Nachman, the Aussie Gourmet, and her amazing show, Table for Two. Coming up today, we are expecting our friends from Beto Road to stop by in the 8 o'clock hour. That's right, the big dinner is coming up Tuesday night. Shlomo Zwickler and maybe another surprise guest will hopefully join us in the 8 o'clock hour. Rabbi Yudin, of course, will join us with uh, Parshas Vayechi and his analysis. Uh, coming up at uh, 7.40 this morning, just over an hour from now, Malcolm Honline, Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. He'll be with us for the weekly update that we do Fridays at 7.40 Eastern Time here at JM in the AM. So that's all coming up. Yes, it's New Year's weekend, and we're still doing a weekly update. Imagine that. The analysis never ends here. <laughs> we're always trying to figure out what's going on in this amazing world of ours. So that's coming up at 740 this morning right here at JM in the AM. 23 minutes before 7 <clears throat> Excuse me. 23 minutes before 7 o'clock as we continue uh, here at JM in the AM. And this is Yehuda Green.
Let me pray, let me pray, just one prayer. Hashem, let me sing just one song. Hashem, let me live till the great morning comes, when the whole world will sing just one
Shabbos done by Shirley Williger and uh, company. Simchas Nigun off of the Willig family Levavo CD. Avramo Avram Fried with Amachaya. I played that yesterday during the live lunch. Remembered how incredible a song that was and said I got to do it again. Shal Shalas had Shalom Rav. You heard Yehuda Green in there with Anna Bakoach and Barry Weber had Achenu. Friday morning, Erev Shabbos Parshas Vayechi. Candle lighting at 419. Amazing programming on our stream all day long at jmtheam.org. Make sure to be tuned in at 9 o'clock. Naomi Nachman is going to be on with another edition of Table for Two. I'll give you details on that coming up. And, uh, of course, our amazing and incredible Erev Shabbos music mix, courtesy of our friends at Kedem. It's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners-sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope, Rockland County at 91.9 on the FM dial. Around the world on the web, jmtheam.org. Tomorrow night, Avrami hosts Saturday Night Seagull at 10 o'clock Eastern Time. And don't forget Matis every Sunday morning between 7 and 9 with JM Sunday. 
Pretty amazing show every single week to start your week. Make sure to be tuned in 7 a.m. Eastern Time on Sunday morning. Galetzal, Israel Army Radio, 2 p.m. newscast for a Friday follows next. We say Boker Tov from JM in the AM. כתבנו טל אברהם. התחקיר הוצג היום לרמטכ"ל שהחליט שאלוף הפיקוד יאיר פיקודית למחת גבעתי בשל אי הקפדה על נהלים מחייבים באירועים השונים. עם זאת קבע הרמטכ"ל כי מעורבות המפקדים הבכירים הייתה מקצועית וערכית ומהתחקיר לא עולים נתונים ומצביעים על הסתרת נתונים מצד מחת גבעתי. סמנכ"ל אירופה במשרד החוץ נפגש היום עם השגריר הצרפתי והביע את אכזבתה העמוקה של ישראל מהצבעת צרפת בעד היוזמה הפלסטינית במועצת הביטחון. הסמנכ"ל אביב שיראון ביקש להדגיש כי הדרך היחידה להתקדם עם הפלסטינים היא במשא ומתן ישיר ולא באמצעות הצהרות חד צדדיות. מקורות עיתונאים בסוריה טוענים שפעולת קומנדו לחילוץ בני ערובה שביצעו כוחות הקואליציה נגד דאעש נכשלה אמש. כתבנו ג'קי חוגי. לפי ידיעות שמקורן בעיר עראקה, בירת אזור השליטה של דאעש, הנחיתו צבאות הקואליציה במסוקים כוח קרקעי במרכז העיר אתמול בלילה, אבל לוחמי דאעש גילו אותם. כל הזמן הזה תקפו מטוסי קרב מטרות באזור, כנראה לשם הסחה. לפני כעשרה ימים נלקח שם בשבי הטייס הירדני מועז על קסאסבה. בדיווח הבוקר לא נמסר האם הפעולה נועדה לשחררו וכיצד הסתיימה. מעל שאגת אריה פורק לבקשת דרעי, כתבנו אוריה אלקיים. בעקבות בקשתו של אריה דרעי אמש מאלפי תומכיו לחזור לישיבות ולפרק את אוהל שאגת אריה, הבוקר האוהל פורק. אמש התגודדו באוהל הסמוך לביתו אלפי תומכים, שקראו לו לחזור בו מכוונתו לפרוש מהנהגת התנועה. דרעי דיבר אל ההמונים בשיחת טלפון שהושמעה באמצעות רמקולים, והודה להם על התמיכה בו. חשד לרצח בראשון לציון, הזמר רומן שמחייב, בן 41, מרמת גן, נורה למוות במועדון במהלך מסיבה פרטית. אחיו שהוזעק למקום נפצע בינוני גם כן, מירי. כתבתנו עדה שטייף מוסרת שכמה בני אדם עוכבו לחקירה. בעקבות חשיפת גל"צ על 800 בני נוער בסיכון שנותרו ללא תקן להמשך לימודים בפנימיות לשנת 2015, ארגון יוניסף דורש ממשרד החינוך להסדיר את הנושא בדחיפות. כתבתנו תמר פלד. מנכ"ל יוניסף ישראל ג'וני קליין פנה לסגן שר החינוך אבי וורצמן ודרש להעביר את 20 מיליון השקלים למינהל החינוך ההתיישבותי שנתקעו במשרד האוצר עם התפטרות השר הקודם. בתקנים אלו לשיפוץ והרחבת הפנימיות מאות ילדים עלולים למצוא את עצמם ברחוב. וורצמן התחייב כי יעבירו את הסכום בהקדם. קליין הבטיח, נמשיך לעקוב אחר ביצוע ההתחייבות. ומזג האוויר יהיה קר יותר, צפויים גשמים בצפון ולאורך החוף. אלה החדשות שעורכת טל יחזקאלי, בעצבת שירה הראל ונועם נויפלד. Thank <laughs> you. 
ששכחתי אותך, היית תמיד בחיי. בכל הדרכים שהלכתי בעצם, היית לי נר הייתי עיוור, לא ראיתי מעבר למה שהביטו עיניי. גם כשקשה לפעמים, נחס אלוקים, אתה לעולם לא רחוק. מלך מלכי המלכים, פתחתי בך אלוקיי, על חצי שני, על בכור וילדה, תודה גם על עושר בלי די. תודה על חגים, על שבת ששומרת, שלא ייגמר לעולם. כל יום שעובר בדרכי לגן עדן, שיוויתי אותך
Liner. Well, I said earlier that it seems like yesterday was Simchus Torah, right? And now we're finishing Safer Brashas. So, went back to the Simchus Torah liturgy there with Anna Hashem. Uh, Simcha Liner from the Pischi Lisi, the Ohad with Melech Machayam Lachim live from that Chuppah. Great song. A lot of people talking about that song. Earlier in the week, we played a version done by um, Yomi Lowy with the Aaron Teitelbaum Orchestra. Great song going around. Erev Shabbos, Parshas Vayechi, candle lighting at 419. Coming up after JM in the AM today at 9 AM, Naomi Nachman. It's the CKCA hour on table for two. Jesse Blunder, the director of the uh, Center for Kosher Culinary Arts, chef instructor Avram Weissman, and the two graduates who've gone into successful careers in the food industry are going to be joining uh, Naomi. Dini Klein from Dini Delivers and the chef from the Loft Restaurant in Brooklyn, Mechi Kornfeld, join her as well. It's all happening between 9 and 10 this morning. Very popular show. We call it Table for Two with Naomi Nachman. Uh, coming up at 10 o'clock, Kedem presents our amazing Arab Shabbos music mix all the way until candle lighting time. Tomorrow night, Saturday night, Siegel with Avrami starts at 10 p.m. Eastern time. Sunday morning, Matis gets the week started every single week with JM Sunday starting at 10 a.m. Eastern time on the stream at JM in the AM. Did I say 10 a.m.? 7 a.m. Eastern time on the stream at jmtheam.org. That happens every Sunday between 7 and 9. Those of you who've always wanted a JM in the AM on Sunday, you've got it, and it's live, and it's around the world, and it's pretty amazing. So make sure to be tuned in as Amatis has now exceeded two years, way past two years, of doing that every single uh, Sunday morning on our stream. Pretty remarkable. Don't forget our NSN app. If you um, are not listening to one of our three radio stations or our stream at jmtheam.org, chances are you're listening on the NSN app, and I thank you for that. Uh, if you don't have it yet, make sure to install it. Uh, go to the uh, App Store on your Android or iPhone. Search Nahum Siegel Network. You can comment as the show goes on. In fact, I'm looking at the comments as we speak from today. You can look at the comments, or I should say you can post comments as the show goes on, on the home screen of the app, which is really cool. And um, make sure to like our page on Facebook, Nahum Siegel Network. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at Nahum Siegel Net. Malcolm Holmline is coming up. Malcolm Holmline joins us about, oh, I don't know, 25 minutes from now. The weekly update will be uh, on your radio 
and on your app around the world, uh, starting at about 7.40 Eastern Time this morning, we'll explore the events of this week. Weekly update, Malcolm Holmline will join us coming up right here at JM in the AM.
song actually features uh, the great Tzudik Greenwald on it. It's Moshe Laufer and Company, Chabad with Moshe Laufer, Volume 3 with Lachad Odi. Bum Bum, done by Benny Friedman on the brand new With All My Soul. That is one hot album, that's for sure. Shwebel Sharf and Levine's Curry Bone, Ari Goldwag's Curry Bone in there. Friday morning, Arif Shabbos, Parshas, Vayechi, Candle Lighting at 419. Wishing everybody a, a wonderful Erev Shabbos. Especially if you had the day off yesterday. Now you have a really short week. <laughs> Half a day, basically, <laughs> until uh, the week comes to a close at this point. 35 degrees, mostly sunny, high temperature of 42. Afternoon rain for tomorrow, wherever you are for Shabbos. Remember, it uh, could be raining at some point during the um, the Shabbos. Erev Shabbos, Parshas Vayechi. It's hard to believe that the Sefer Bracious is coming to a close. Unbelievable. We're here, we'll hear Rabbi Yudin at 8.15 on the very topic of Vayechi. And Malcolm Honline joins us minutes from now. The uh, weekly update coming up. We'll explore the events of this week. Hey, if you see 
Uh, Gail and Itzy Weintraub today. If you see Gail and Itzy Weintraub today, the world's uh, number one uh, both mother-in-law and father-in-law. Yeah, I guess I could just say world's number one in-laws, right? You would do it that way. Anyway, today they celebrate happy anniversary number 55. Today they celebrate happy anniversary number 55, my wonderful in-laws. If you see Gail and Itzy Weintraub, you make sure to say Mazal Tov from all of us here at JM in the AM. Pretty amazing, huh? Pretty amazing. Um, oh, I want to I want to give a special shout out to cousin Moshe. Uh, anybody out there who's at the Naim restaurant, Naim uh, Kosher Pizza on 39th and 15th in Borough Park, Brooklyn. When you go in there at any point today, tomorrow night, whatever the case may be, ask for Cousin Moshe. Send our very best regards. He is one incredible man. And I wanted to make sure to say, uh, I'd give him a big shout-out on the radio this morning here at JM in the AM. More coming up, including that weekly update, as promised. Keep it right here at JM in the AM. This is brand new from Vahavienu.
Avahavienu CD from volume number four. That's Yerushalayim, of course. Moshe Laufer before that with Lachad Odi. From Chabad with Moshe Laufer, volume number three. Friday morning, it's JM and the AM on this January 2nd. As we said, Mazal Tov to a Gale and Itzy Weintraub. World's number one in-laws. 55 years they celebrate today. Their 55th wedding anniversary. We say Mazal Tov from all of us here at JM and the AM. If you see them today... Make sure to do the same. Want to again wish a mazel tov to Susie and Robert Katz. The bris of their brand new twins took place this past Wednesday morning. Netanel Yitzchak and Daniel Shimshon to Susie and Robert and the entire family. We say mazel tov from all of us here at JM and the AM. Amazing to have a JM and the AM simcha and in this case a JM and the AM double simcha. Again, mazel tov from all of us here. At JM in the AM. Malcolm Honline is executive vice chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. Joins us for the weekly update here on a Friday morning. Mr. Honline, welcome back to JM in the AM. Good to be with you. Sorry about that. Cut you off a drop again. Welcome back. Uh, a lot of listeners uh, are curious about your encounters with the late Mario Cuomo. We always, uh, you always mention that you don't really concentrate on local stuff, but I would bet you had a million different encounters with him over the years. Well, actually, I did, and in those days, I did deal much more with uh, local events with uh, with Mario Cuomo in various capacities when I was the executive of the JCRC of New York, and um, I actually was involved on his first trip to Israel, which he took in the first year as governor. He was also very close to Rabbi Mashevitz, Shalom from Queens, uh, really a lifelong uh, friendship. And while we don't know, didn't always agree on everything, the fact is that uh, he was uh, identified closely with the Jewish community and personally identified and uh, participated in many, many Jewish events and was, um, you know, really an outspoken advocate against uh, anti-Semitism, against bigotry, racism. He was a very liberal governor. Um, but uh, translated that into into specific accomplishments. Not everybody enjoyed his politics, obviously. I mean, in any right. community, you're going to have a, a split like that. But he, if you look closely, and again, whether you like the fact that government officials do this or not, he really helped a lot of Jewish neighborhoods. He absolutely did. And uh, he had very close relationships with a lot of the local leadership, too. Yeah, no question about it. And... Um, <laughs> one of the uh, one of the interesting things that he always t- I think this was his line wasn't it his line that on Saturday I was a Shabbos guy and on Sunday I was an altar boy right that right. was that was his routine yes. and and uh, how he many wasn't alone with that routine right there were others as well right first right but he I think Colin Powell used that also maybe I don't remember if he was <laughs> I don't remember what he did on Sundays but anyway <laughs> I remember what he did on Sundays Mario Cuomo and um, you've always said this and I know it's overstating the obvious but sometimes it's important to point out I'll use the opportunity. You know, you have you have deep rooted relationships with a community. You're going to get along a lot better. And you know, you've always obviously been an advocate for open dialogue and trying to you know bridge gaps in that way. Obviously, because of his roots, there was a connection to the Jewish world. And also, it's not because we agree with everybody on everything, right? But relationships have to be established with everybody and sustained, and we have to think about things not just in the moment but in the long run uh it is interesting that he really never ran for for president although he had been touted so many times uh for it something new york politicians often are associated with these uh, you know the dream to run but never really crosses the threshold to make the decision 
but the, he was he was a voice, and, and we turned to him in the years after he was governor on specific issues when things needed to be said. Um, and I did see him after his uh, term, and he uh, maintained close relationships throughout. Right, and he likely would not have won the presidential Democratic primary, right? You never know. I don't know. You think his son? I predict what, who's <laughs> going to win now. You think his son could be the Democratic primary uh, nominee? The, the operational world word there is could be. So you wouldn't. There's no such thing as a long shot, in your opinion. Everyone's got another. Everyone's Clinton got. Or, or Jimmy Carter or Barack Obama, not far shots when they announced their candidacies. And look I, I met Bill Clinton before he became, when he was governor yet, and was uh, thinking of running, and everybody said, who's this guy from Arkansas? It was quite a week in the state of Israel, to say the least. Bibi is being uh, uh, touted as uh, one, of, one of the greatest political victors ever with all the victories that he had this week. Uh, try to explain all this. To us. Start with the, the Moshe Faglin thing. We thought that he was powerful enough and brought enough to the table to certainly be on any even short list from Likud. How did this happen that he's now out of the picture completely? Well, I think it's, uh, uh, there's a few things. One is that BB's uh, faction really controls the, uh, the operation and uh, targeted Faglin. Uh, I think Faglin... It went too far often for people, and uh, even within the, the Likud ranks, and about 50% of them showed up to vote, which is a significant number in a primary uh, like this. Uh, so he obviously didn't have the troops that he could uh, marshal in, in this situation. It's also surprising that uh, Ms. Hattavelli didn't make it, and others so I don't know if it's a side of moderation within the party. I think that the top ten, for instance, are fairly centrist um, and and mostly associated uh, with BB. So you don't have a, so such a, a fractured uh, list. And BB obviously was delighted by the people uh, who were chosen. The surprises uh, were, were, I think, uh, Miri Regev, who placed in the top five, and Yuli Edelstein. Yuli certainly is seen as a uh, little right of center, but, but a, a moderate right of center, so to speak. And Sylvan Shalom made it, the Yalom. So it's not that the party shifted left or the party is abandoning the fundamentals. I think it was a statement by the members of Likud about the direction that they wanted to go and who they see as potential uh, victors. But it's hard to read too much into it at this point, because Bibi's still not in the lead. He's more or less tied with uh, Herzog. It goes up a point, down a seat. Um, we'll have to see the list that they put together, uh, how people will, will react to these lists, what the role of the new party with Cajalon, who's picking up people, some that are real, some that are not real, as we saw this past week. Uh, and then in two weeks or so, things will settle down to the real campaign. I think it'll be very intense. It will be a touch and go. They look at the blocks now, and between the right-wing, center-right, and Haredi parties, they have a very big block. 
and could be a major, you know, the, uh, yeah. a very large majority, not a simple majority. Where was Fagelin last time around? Was he at 10, at 15? Well, he challenged for the leadership. Right. And I, I don't recall exactly what the position he was in. But, uh, uh, you know, they, people in, in politics in Israel, you know, new parties pop up, new people pop up, then they get shunted aside. So, so with all the charges, with, work to develop the, the internal party. With all the allegations of chicanery, with all the allegations that you know BB's crowd somehow fixed this Likud primary, you would simply say, if you looked at it honestly, uh, he he went ahead aggressively, meaning BB and his crowd went ahead aggressively to make sure Fagelin would not get in, and Fagelin was not able to match the task. He was not able to get the vote out. The way BB did, and uh, was not able to garner, you know, a- anything close to the support he's had in the past. Is that what you would not say? Not to get in the top twenty-five right. places. And uh, remember, also look at uh, Danny Danone. He challenged BB in the leadership race, and there were times when people said that that was a serious challenge and that he could win, and that uh, yeah, the next star of the league could. And and uh, he was pretty roundly defeated. It wasn't overwhelming, but it was pretty. Significant that he conceded within an hour after the polls. Closed. So what happens now to Danone? Well, Danone was already out of the uh, cabinet, right? He was re- he already had resigned from the cabinet. What happens now with him and Fagelin? Once the Knesset, this Knesset, I don't even know if it officially dissolved yet or not, but once it does, they're out. That's the end of it. They will not be members of the next Knesset. They will not be members of the Knesset. We have to see if the lists. Uh, you know, Bibi has some appointees in the lists. Uh, but I'm sure you won't be Fagelin or, or Danone. He fired Danone, if you remember, right. deputy uh, defense minister. So Fagelin and Danone, at this point, are already waiting for the next round of elections. <laughs> They're waiting for someone to call for new, new elections. Right. And, 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 you know, this happens each time. But Israel has a revolving door political system where right. guys go out, come back, go out, come back. Uh, look at the Dichter, Avi Dichter, who came in number 20, a very fine man, and but was in previous governments, not, not liquid governments also. Uh, so he was out for a few years, and now he's back, and others also. There, there is a tendency to have uh, timeouts for political leaders and uh, members of the Knesset in particular, and then some of them come back and some stay in the wilderness forever. Yeah, it would be, and that would be an interesting study, comparing the U.S. and Israel about who's able, how many percentage-wise bounce back in terms of their political careers. Well, it's many. true here, too, Nachum, that there are people, and I know political advisors who have told candidates after, you know, to go make money, take time, give speeches, rebuild, and then come back, and people then see him as a new face or her as a yeah, new Yeah, but I can't even think of a good example of that, unless you mean more on a local level, but... I, I can't even think of a good example of that. I mean, may, is Hillary a good example of that? I don't know. Well, she w- we'll find out. Right. But also, members of Congress, there have been members of Congress who are out and then came back, you know, to win again. And you don't know until, I mean, it's just not a consistent pattern. But there are those who believe, and especially in Israel, who believe that you need to take time out. And, and look, it's very demanding. It's, it's, Israeli politics is very intensive especially if you're in an important position or as a minister. And some people just get tired. What really surprises me, and I had discussions twice over the past few days with very serious people, and both of them are considering running for office. I say to them, why, why would you do this? You're both 
occupy very important influential positions. You're consulted. You're, you know, seen as as, in, as having an impact as it is. There is something that draws people and and good people also to to government. Errol Margulies, who who uh, you know was a high tech, right, very successful entrepreneur. Uh, you know, he's in government and and. Even if they're not in key positions, i.e. ministers and stuff, they they feel that people answer the call to serve. Yeah, I'm sure plenty of people told Bennett and Barakat and all these people that they had no reason to go into politics. And, and if you have you seen uh, Bennett's latest uh, commercials, yeah. very tough stuff that he's doing and talking about the, those who appease opposed, as opposed to those who stand up. Well, is he filling that niche as Likud moves more to the center, or that's we will have to see that. It's uh, a lot depends on how Cajalon's party is viewed. Is it going to be just another Dash Rats flash in the pan one time uh, party, or is it going to be something different? Is Cajalon does he have the personal standing that say Sharon did when he created Kadima? Um, and we'll see who else he attracts. As, as there were the reports that he, that Galat was joining, but it turns out that he's not, or so far is not. Uh, the political system will be the political season will be very interesting because the stakes are high. You know, with all the events going on in the world, people know that this election will be critical. It will be critical vis-a-vis Iran, vis-a-vis the Palestinians, with the ICC, with the, what happened this week at the UN. All of these things uh, and the domestic security situation—they're going to weigh who they think can make a difference, and it will be a very important statement on their part. The, uh, so on, the, on one side, it's going to be uh, Herzog and Livni, as you said. According to the Jerusalem Post, I don't remember who wrote this, uh, Netanyahu could not have a better running mate than Edelstein. Do you agree with that? Oh, absolutely. He's, uh, you know, he was Speaker of the Knesset. He's a Russian Jew. He's religious. He uh, is some, uh, moderate compared to some of those who are more extreme, but very uh, definitive in his positions. And his popularity, which I think was a surprise to some, that he came in so high that he'd be alone, he'd be to others in the part or you know, stalwarts of the party. Uh, he started out with Sharansky and then went uh, with Likud. So I think it's a it's a very interesting development that he scored so high. Not so surprising. Is it possible that Eli Yishai is going to end up on the Likud list? I don't see it. Uh, his party has not yet crossed the threshold. Uh, and meaning that uh, for a seat uh, to, to get a seat, they right. raised the threshold, right. and he's one of those who voted for it. Uh, and if he crosses the threshold, that's the equivalent of four seats. Uh, any party that doesn't get that, uh, those votes are really uh, wasted and are portioned out. But the, um, the likelihood is, I, I don't see him joining. We could yet, but it's not an impossibility. They think. I would guess that many times during Rabavadja's life, you said to yourself, once he's gone, there will be a lot of infighting between Derry and Yishai, right? There was a lot of fighting during his <laughs> lifetime. I shouldn't have been there afterwards. <laughs> this has gotten I, I don't know that people would have predicted quite the dramatic nature of the release of the tapes and the right. embarrassment that this caused and the dissolution of the party. The, the, well, not of the party itself, but of the membership, all of them resigning en masse. Uh, even though the Knesset's not in session, so I'm not quite sure why they had to do it. But there's talk that he'll be back and that there's a lot of pressure being brought to bear on him to uh, reassert the leadership in the, of the party. 
we'll have to see. Very but, interesting. But it's really fascinating. Unbelievable. It's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope, Rockland County at 91.9 on the FM dial, around the world on the web. JMTheAM.org. Special good morning to those who are tuned in on our NSN app, which gives you the opportunity to comment on what's happening. Just go to our home screen of the app, and you can comment on what's happening as you listen in. Uh, and a big hello to our friends at JewishWorldReview.com, who continue to provide thousands of articles on a daily basis for people to uh, read up on what's happening in this world of ours. And if you're one of those people that prints out thousands, well, I shouldn't say thousands, but many articles before Shabbos, check them out at JewishWorldReview.com. The... Um, we talk about, I'll leave the political arena, or at least the election arena, in a moment, but I just got to ask you, now that it looks like it's essentially official that Jeb Bush is going to be in the race for U.S. president, any thoughts, um, especially vis-a-vis the uh, Jewish community and the state of Israel? Well, he's going to make, uh, I think, a very strong outreach to the Jewish community. He had a good, good ties with the, the Jewish community in Florida. Um, I think it, one can anticipate, given the moves that he made over the last few days, resigning from all the boards, both commercial and private, you know, uh, uh, organizational boards, that that is a preliminary step usually taken when somebody's going to run, and he's created this exploratory committee. Um, I think his, his participation will be welcomed by uh, most of the community. Interesting. Uh, yeah, a lot of people do like him. There's no question about it, not just in our community, but many others <clears throat> as well. A lot of stories this week, as you alluded to, and a lot to talk about. I thought one of the most significant things, and I'm wondering if you agree, was the North Korean leader alluding to the fact that he's, rel- re- that he's willing to sit down and have some type of summit with South Korea. Did you find that significant? Well, the South Koreans originally proposed it, and uh, it's it's not quite so surprising. You know, the Chinese are getting tired, the Chinese people especially, are tired of carrying this burden. There's supposedly some reassessment about it. The economic conditions in the North are really terrible, and there's no prospect of them uh, rapidly improving. It could be a ploy because of all the bad publicity that he's gotten uh, that he would uh, suggest this, or, and that he would go through the. Even if he, he did it, it would be more pro forma than uh, substantive, because he can't. His his future would certainly be very much in doubt if you really opened up uh, North Korea, which is one of the worst dictatorships in the world today, uh, and one of the worst economies, if not the worst in the world today. So it's it. it, it you know, I, I think you got to get behind the headlines, see what the realities are and what the real prospects would be. You know that we have 30,000 American troops on the Korean border. People forget about the, you know, how much we spend, how much we do to defend there, and in, still in Europe, our presence in Germany and in uh, supporting NATO and, and the participation uh, still carry over from uh, the Cold War era. But this is is a huge investment on the part of the United States. So there's no, I don't think that there's anything immediately in the offing in terms of the major shift, but a merger of the countries would would drag the South Koreans into a huge financial obligation, 
not to see if the people really want that. See, it's funny, though. I, I took it differently. You've always talked about how Iran is the role model for North Korea. And he, meaning in North Korea, has seen the benefit of Iran staying in dialogue, quote unquote, with the U.S. I thought that was simply his strategy. You know, get in, get into, you know, summit mode and, you know, keep, us, as his nuclear capability continues to improve, just, you know, keep postponing everything. Well, uh, I, I said that first, that, uh, you know, given all the bad things that he's gone through and the fact that he saw some retaliation, et cetera, that he figures the best route is to put on the sham performance while uh, continuing, I mean, there's no sign that they have let up on any of the aggressive actions that they've taken, just like we see that Iran hasn't let up on any of the the uh, aggressive actions that they have. In fact, this week they posted pictures of IRGC along the Lebanese uh, Iran Revolutionary Guard leaders at the uh, Lebanese-Israeli border. We see them stepping up shipments uh, and, and uh, to weapons to Hezbollah and Hamas. The the fact that the Mashal was in Iran after being in Turkey. So Tur- Iran, in many ways, influences what happens in, in North Korea. There is this uh, relationship that applies to the missiles, which are based on the Nodang developed in North Korea, but the nuclear program and other things, which is certainly there is a cooperation and interchange. And we saw it in Syria. Remember, the, the nuclear reactor was not being built by Syria. It was North mm-hmm. Korea and Iran building it. Someone said to me yesterday, the the one thing saving the Jewish community in Iran is this summit mentality. As long as there is dialogue, Iran feels that they can't put pressure on the Jewish community of Iran. If that ends, then God forbid, who knows what could happen. You agree with that assessment? Uh, it's a very sensitive subject, and um, I would say that it's a mistake to say there's no pressure being brought to bear on the community. Uh, they do function. They don't leave, except in very, very small numbers for reasons I frankly do not understand or do understand but don't think are, are wise at this time. Uh, I think that there are a couple of things, not just in the, the negotiations, but they know that the world is looking about how they treat the Jews because if you see what they're doing to Christians, you see what they're doing to gays, you see what they're doing to many others with public executions. In fact, accelerating them so that there's one execution every eight hours and the the persecution of people for professing uh, their beliefs uh, has increased and continues to increase uh, in Iran. So I think that there are things, but I frankly would not discuss it on the air. Um, All right, the U.N. vote. Israel formally expressed its deep disappointment to France for voting for a Palestinian resolution at the U.N. Security Council calling for a full IDF withdrawal to the pre-67 lines by 2013, the, um, 2015. So now, what is the, uh, what was the vote? And how did it get to the UN? Like, I mean, you've warned us about this process, and we seem, you know, every week or, or every few weeks, we talk about, you know, what you go through as somebody who observes and then gets actively involved in trying to prevent certain things. How did this get uh, to the United Nations? Well, uh, as you said, it's been muted for a long time, and we've talked about the process. It went in, and they backed off and backed off and went in. So the question really is, why did the Palestinians go ahead with it at this point? One is, obviously, to express their frustration, to embarrass the United States, perhaps, by forcing a veto. Um, 
I don't know that he really wanted to pass this resolution because he really wants to go into the International Criminal Court, which is his next step, and he is applying, and they're signing other conventions. Who goes? That that's a, 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 a case against Israel, against the prime minister, against it's soldiers. Not a case first, they got to become members, so they signed the Rome Statute, and now they have to go through the process of applying. So, a, we don't know that they apply because they're not a state. You can only be in, the members of the International Criminal Court have to be states. Israel and the United States, by the way, are not members of the International Criminal Court, um, and therefore not under their jurisdictions. But the PA would be, and the PA, I think, has been warned several times that they're doing it because they want to bring more crimes charges against Israel, and they think further isolate Israel and use as a propaganda base. The court rejected it once already, but now because if they would be a member, they would have a different standing to bring a case. But the, the, the likelihood is that a case will be brought against Hamas and, and the PA, because they are partners, uh, for, that, for what is clearly war crimes, meaning shooting from civilian populations at civilian populations, yeah. human shields, all the other things they did during the war, before the war, the cross-border raids, the attacks on civilian populations. Those are real war crimes, and they could uh, they could easily be, be uh, the one in the docket, and uh, Israel not. And Israel, I think, can, has so much proof and so much justification for what they did while the court may not be uh, exactly neutral when it comes to Israel. <laughs> I was wondering what word you'd use. <laughs> <laughs> that, uh, you know, that they would be able to, to, um, uh, to, I think, put up a real defense that any court, even a biased one, would have to at least uh, seriously consider. So this move may backfire on them. They certainly got a strong reaction, and one has to credit Secretary Kerry's demands their powers, but the administration as a whole, in their public stance against what they did at the U.N., with the, at the Security Council, and now with the ICC. Uh, the statements were as strong as we could have asked for. The statement was that we will not allow them to be members? What was the statement? That uh, warning them about the consequences of, uh, of going and saying why they think this is a, a deleterious move. And uh, there have been hints even about this, the fact or about it backfiring on them, uh, but saying that this will disrupt further and that the United States is opposed. And you know that Schumer and others have said that they will uh, cut aid, and and uh, it's not something the administration, I think, wants or anybody in the, uh, in the international community wants us to see them further dependent or one day just resigning and saying to Israel, this is your responsibility as the, quote, occupying power, you know, to feed people and take care of people. The fact is the international community of the $48 billion they pledged, the, especially the Arab countries, the donors, only have paid $100 million of it. Hmm. So it's really a, a strange circumstance. But just to go back, let's separate the two parts. One is right. the Security Council decision could have been made because he believed he would win that he miscalculated. He thought Nigeria and Rwanda would go with him, or that North Korea or South Korea would vote with Me- him. Meaning win, and then only a U.S. veto could stop it. And force a U.S. veto. Right, and he needed nine votes for that and got eight. You get, there are 15 seats. You need, you need to get nine affirmative votes. Right. So a no or an abstain is the same in, in impact. So there were no eight. a stronger statement, and only Australia and the United States voted no. So there were eight yes, two no, and five abstentions. And five abstentions, the, the, the disgraced party in all of this, <clears throat> I think, and their behavior and will require us to, to address this is France, right. which now says in its latest iteration just this morning 
from Kerry. They want to convene an international peace conference in Paris, like the Madrid conference, but bigger. They want to try and elbow out the U.S. and, and become the prime party in this. It's a prestige issue uh, for France, for Hollande, and uh, most of all, the driving force is Foreign Minister Babos. So that was France. The, the heroic move was by uh, Goodluck Johnson, the president of uh, uh, Nigeria and the president of uh, Rwanda, both of whom the last minute uh, and got calls from Bibi. Uh, uh, Goodluck Johnson is a Christian. He visited Israel twice in the last year. Uh, we have had close contact with him. I spoke to the, Niger- to the Rwandan officials as well. Israel has done a lot in Rwanda. We and, and others have had very close ties with him, and uh, their votes were really uh, critical in this process, as was Korea. So assuming, let's say, that he was willing to do that, uh, he went ahead knowing or questioning whether he would get the votes. He knew that if he waited till January 1st, when the new members come in, like Venezuela and others, he would automatically have the nine votes. Hmm. Why didn't he wait? Yeah. So the answer, it could be one, that he knew there would be a U.S. veto in either case, so he wanted to get it out of the way, and and B, that he, he originally thought he would win up until that morning, and that and the next day was the anniversary of the founding of Fatah, and he had a big rally in Ramallah, and I think he wanted to be able to come with this announcement or use it to rally people against and, it, and deflect the attention from his failure and, and the failure of his non-government, which long ago lost legitimacy and was not elected. It's all part of his process of bypassing negotiations. He does not want to negotiate. And... Uh, you always mention the Palestinian street. Does this matter in the street? Does this make headlines in their newspapers? Oh, absolutely. And it becomes a rallying point, and they, they critical, they're very critical of the United States, the uh, West, and, um, and, and may be used to justify, as we know, that there are almost daily stabbings and incidents uh, as they try to keep this on a low simmer, uh, not to have a full-fledged intifada, which I don't think is likely. But... Um, but to keep this, uh, and by the way, it's affecting tourism. Incidents of the last couple of months, I is affecting it very much. I'm, I don't know about I don't know about the numbers, but I hear the attitudes out there. It is affecting people. It is affecting numbers, and we are working on it. We met with the minister of tourism, the outgoing minister, uh, last week again to to come up with ideas and things to help uh, promote Israel. Uh, Israel is still safe. These are very isolated incidents. The, the crime rate is very low. Uh, people, you know, there are so many things when you see the contradictions, you see all the focus on, on the threats of boycott by academia in Britain, right, and and the business boycotts and the threats not to buy products. And then the statistic came out yesterday that trade with Britain is up 14% <laughs> a year. So nothing ever makes sense. And, uh, and the threats of the boycott and the ambassador of um, England to, to uh, Israel said, you know, mock the, the idea that there was, uh, in fact, there is, and, and it's dangerous still. But the facts uh, that speak, it was like Turkey, where trade has gone up consistently. I don't think it's true anymore, and especially after this week with Turkey. So, you know, you can't predict what the uh, Palestinian leadership is thinking or what they will do. What What is it that motivates them? 
He's in competition with Hamas now. Mashal is becoming much more aggressive. Visited Turkey, visited Iran. We believe he's trying to build a coalition between these radical elements, together with uh, uh, Qatar, uh, which is now moving more towards Egypt and Saudi Arabia, and I think worries them, uh, with Hamas and with um, uh, Iran, obviously. So, uh, and and you see that the Fatah continues their praising of the killers of at the shul, yep. and calling them martyrs and and uh, naming things and all sorts of praise. Uh, uh, the moderate Fatah, and they called it the uh, the uh, they called it an occupation synagogue and occupied Jerusalem and, and named them as martyrs. Uh, all the things that we've seen in the past, it doesn't stop despite their promises, despite Abbas's assurance. Bottom line, Abbas does not want to negotiate with Israel. Abbas wants everything to be done by the international community. They want to build the pressure. He miscalculated, I think, in part on this move. I know that there were key people in his entourage who argued against it, tried to get him to back off. He didn't, and uh, now he's paying a price for it. Interesting. Uh, finally, is the army still on the Gaza border or not? I know, obviously, there's always some type of presence there, but I know residents are complaining, at least based on the articles, that the army is quote-unquote leaving. Is Israel taking a more uh, a normal uh, stance in terms of security of the border? Uh, normal meaning what was going on there before the Gaza war? Yes, the presence is very strong. This was only a question of having people, soldiers in every community, and the decision was made by a local officer. By the way, this is not the, the chief of staff, because the they are empowered to make decisions about shifting manpower, and the communities there felt that these, because they're close to the border and they don't have the protection of Iron Dome, uh, that they, they uh, needed the presence. And I think the decision was to to rescind it and to to continue the uh, uh, the circumstance. But we've seen um, Hamas uh, escalating. Or, minor incidents along the border, nothing serious. Hamas has said that they would rein them in, in fact, but uh, we don't know to the degree to which that is true or, or uh, um, actually being in place. You know, Israel announced that they have new, new underwater defense barriers, <laughs> both in the north and in near Gaza, so that if, uh, you know, we had that one attack by sea, so that this would stop um, uh, an underwater attack by frogmen or others, and that we know the Hezbollah, for instance, is buying undersea equipment and delivery systems. So the, the, it's being used uh, both in the north and in the south to, to uh, secure the uh, the border. But they also bought Hezbollah, which is the new focus right now, because they bought these Borkin missiles, which have very short range, four to five kilometers, but carry a large warhead, and they would use this to destroy buildings because their new strategy is not just the missiles, but to cross the border to try and intimidate the people, threaten people. Uh, there were attempts to cross the border, as you know, over the last two weeks. Uh, so we're seeing a slight escalation. I don't think Kizmah uh, wants an all-out war. They're not going to do it. Also, on the Israeli side, um, the IS, the uh, Islamic State troops, are coming closer towards the uh, border in the Golan. Uh, where you have al-Nusra now, but, and, and then the resistance forces of, um, of Syria on the border of Israel. And Israel obviously has a very strong uh, presence. If you notice, 76,000 people admitted to have been killed in Syria this year. Wow. <laughs> and yet, 
you see a session of the Security Council of the of the Human Rights Council of anybody talking about it, seeing who who, uh, who they're doing, you see that ISIS in Syria alone executed two thousand people, including one hundred twenty of their own members, and that's numbers we know, let alone that that we don't. And they train. There was just this revelation about how they train children eight years old and up. They brought Syrian soldiers to them and beheaded them, and the kids had, and they had to pass the heads amongst the kids. Oh God! So you're training hundreds of kids, children, teenagers, and this came from an eyewitness, a participant who, who escaped. But the 120 people that they killed is people who tried to, to leave because once you're in ISIS, you don't leave, and or didn't follow uh, what they wanted. And we're talking about such a brutal, horrific. Uh, party in in fighting this war, uh, and and yet the reaction still is is one of unsurety about what to do, how we have to face off in these guys, and what uh, Assad, who's also been much more brutal in and is having a hard time recruiting people, and therefore they've now uh, really done an all-out search for those who have avoided service and are trying to scrounge up uh, additional troops, also because they they lost a lot. And we're seeing the activities, by the way, of Iran spreading throughout the region. I told you about the fifth capital, Sudan. Yep. We're seeing more and more activity. We see the Houthis now seeking control in Yemen of the long-range missiles in uh, Iran, and, uh, which is in the Sana'a Governate, and, which is the capital. They're going into the mountains where the major military sites that were held by government troops and uh, with these missiles, I mean, they could hit any of the Gulf states, the Gulf states in the region. And uh, I think that the the uh, aggressiveness, despite quote negotiations and all the promises to the to the contrary, is uh, is increasing. And the the Iran Revolutionary Guard's presence in Lebanon, the military advisors they admit to a thousand in Iraq plus elite units plus. Airstrikes plus a billion dollars in military aid, which is what they admit to in Iran, well, and what they may really have there. All right, it's <laughs> about the real nature of the of the shifts that are taking place in the region. There is a lot going on, to say the least. Malcolm, we will continue next week. Have a wonderful Shabbos, and thanks for joining us. Malcolm Holmline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. Joins us for the weekly update Fridays right here at JM in the AM. Erev Shabbos, Parshas Vayechi, candle lighting at 419 on this Erev Shabbos. The U.N. Security Council Palestinian Resolution called for Israel to withdraw by late 2017. I said 2013, then I said 15. It was 2017. I apologize for that confusion. Coming up, Rabbi Yudin, of course, and then we'll speak about the big Beit Road dinner coming up this week. Naomi Nachman at 9 o'clock with the uh, Amazing Table for Two program. Saturday Night Seagull with Avrami tomorrow night starting at 10 p.m. Eastern Time. And, of course, Matis with JM Sunday Live, Sunday morning at 7 a.m., Eastern Time on the stream at jmnam.org. Make sure to be tuned in. Want to wish a mazel tov to Reuven Yechezkel HaKohen. Reuben Zachary Melzer's Bar Mitzvah takes place this coming Shabbos. A very special mazel tov to um, his parents, to Lauren, to Adam, the entire family from all of us here at JM and the AM. Reuben Zachary Melzer is uh, celebrating his Bar Mitzvah this coming Shabbos. And uh, a very special mazel tov to his parents, grandparents, the entire extended families from all of us here at JM in the AM. I uh, want to wish a happy anniversary, number 55, to Gail and Itzy Weintraub. 
The world's number one in-laws are celebrating their 55th wedding anniversary today. If you see them, make sure to wish them Mazel Tov. Also, again, a Mazel Tov to Susie and Robert Katz on the birth of Netanel Yitzchak and Daniel Shimshon. The Britot were Wednesday, and we say Mazel Tov and this amazing double Mazel Tov from all of us here at JM in the AM. This time each every Friday, every hour of Shabbos, with great pleasure we present Rabbi Benjamin Yudin, spiritual leader of Congregation Shomrei Torah in Fairlawn, New Jersey, to address the entire listening audience concerning the Torah portion of the week. Good morning, Rabbi Yudin. Good morning, Nachum. Good Erev Shabbos, everybody. Tomorrow we have the privilege of reading Parshas Vayichi. First of all, take note. This is the last Parsha in the book of Bereshis. It is a Shabbos Chazak. Chazak, Chazak, Venis Chazak. What does that mean? It means that we draw strength from the very name of the Parsha. The Parsha deals with the death of Yaakov. The Parsha deals with Yaakov giving the blessings to his children, the subsequent generation. And yet the Parsha is called Vayachi, which means literally, and he lived. What does that mean? Not just the first verse that Yaakov lived in Mitzrayim an additional 17 years of his life, bringing the total of his life to 147, but as the Gemara tells us in the first chapter of the Gemara Tanis, Yaakov avinu lomes. Yaakov did not die. Now what do you mean Yaakov did not die? There's such an extensive, elaborate detail in the end of the parasha, about his funeral and burial in Mora Samach how could you say he didn't die? But the very important philosophic idea is given to us that Mazaro Bechayim, just as Yaakov's children live on and they perpetuate his very special ways, his Misora, so too, this keeps Yaakov Bechayim, and therefore the parsha is Vayechi, similar to what we have with the passing of Sarah, that her parsha is known as Chaye Sarah. You have in this parsha, as we've mentioned, the brachos, the blessings that Yaakov gives to his children, and I just think just one word before I get to a specific aspect of the parsha, one word regarding bracha. Bracha basically is we say to our children and whoever gives a blessing that the recipient of the blessing should actualize their potential. For example, we know Yaakov Sikel Esyadav. Yaakov, with his hands above his grandchildren, switches his hands and puts the right hand on the head of Ephraim, the left hand on that of Menashe. Now wait a second. And when Yosef says, excuse me, Abba, there seems to be a mistake here, says Yaakov to his son, oh no, there is no mistake, there's no question that this one, meaning the Bechor, right, he, Gamhu Yigdol, he will be great, and 
as Rashi tells us, what does that mean? Gidon is going to emerge from Menashe. And as Rashi says, Shakodesh Baruchu, Oseneis Al Yodo, that a miracle will be performed through Gidon. Yet, Ulam Achiva Katan, his younger brother Yigdal Mimenu, will be greater than him, as Rashi says, quoting the Tanhuma She'asid Yoshua, Lotseis Mimenu, that Yoshua will come from Ephraim. I'll ask a very basic question. Why didn't Yaakov pray at that point? Neither of these leaders were born yet. They were going to be born later on. Why couldn't Yaakov be mispalel? Let Yoshua come from Menashe, and let Gidon come from Ephraim. We see from here that there is a destiny, that each one is to be what they are. And this can't be changed by any mortal. But what a mortal can pray to God is that each one should be able to actualize their potential, which is a very important thing that we should include in our minds when we bless our children, please God, every Friday night. And those who have that minhog, those who bless them, Erev Yom Kippur, what's in a bracha? So I'd like to focus this morning on the bracha that Yaakov gives Yosef and thereby how he instructs um, his future generations that they should bless their children as we find in the parsha Yisrael through you Yosef using you as the example of now interestingly on this pasuk which is chapter 48 pasuk 20 the targum Yonasen ben Uziel comments they shall bless on that day what does that mean that a father blesses his child biyuma dimuhulta on the day of the bris to say that our children should be like Ephraim Mechimanasha. Why is this bracha given on the day of the bris and why were they chosen, Ephraim Mechimanasha, to be literally the epitome the example par excellence that we want our children in subsequent generations to emulate. I heard from my teachers a beautiful explanation, and that is as follows. The Gemara in Shabbos, Kufyud Beis Amid Beis, teaches an interesting phenomena, and that is as follows. Im, Horishonim Kimalachim, if the previous generations were compared to angels, then we are like mortals. And if they are like mortals, then we are literally as donkeys. And the Gemara says, and not even as great as the donkey of Pinchas ben Yoir. And you'll take a look as to the Gemara in the beginning of Chulin, which describes the miracles which took place through the donkey of Pinchas ben Yoir, and quote-unquote the piety and the environment with which that donkey was raised and lived up to. The theme of this Gemara is that there is 
most often a Uridas Haduros, literally a diminution of the generations. Now what does this mean, this diminution of the generations? I'll give you a very famous example, a beautiful story which has been recorded regarding the late Rav Yaakov Kamenetsky, Zechatzadik Levracha, who was once traveling when he was older on an airplane with one of his grandchildren and his grandchild literally uh, tended to his every need and every few moments. Zedi, what can we do for you? Well, how can we help you? Etc. And finally, after a while, a secular Israeli professor who was sitting next to him said, if you don't mind, I have to ask you a question. Why is it that your grandchildren venerate and show you such respect and reverence and uh, my grandchildren do not? Said Rav Yaakov, a very famous answer. In the secular world, in the secular belief, man comes from the ape. And therefore, each generation is to be honored beyond that which came before because we look and see the advancement of society in contrast to where they came from. And therefore, from their perspective, it's not the young that should honor the old, but it should be just the opposite. The old should honor the young, because after all, look how much the young are exceeding intellectually, technologically, etc. However, in contrast, our Jewish belief is that we go back to Sinai. And the closer one is to Sinai, the closer one is to the source of our peoplehood, our morality, and therefore my grandchildren honor me just by the very fact that I am older and represent this closer connection to the, our holy source. This concept of Yeridas Hadoros, of the generations experiencing a decline, from time to time, there is an exception to that rule. And Ephraim and Menashe represent just such an exception. Where do we see this? At the end of Parshas Vayishlach, God says to Yaakov, when he comes back to Eretz Yisrael, he says to him, pray urve. Literally, you are to have children. And goy, ukahal goyim, right? Yitzu mimeka. There's yet going to come from you, Gai, who is Binyamin, and Kahal Goyim, who are these additional two more that would come. And when Yaakov sees that these, quote, two more are not born to him, and only the last one is Binyamin, he realizes that within his family, two are to be elevated in order to, and giving them the status of Shvatim. And so, Yaakov gives this elevation 
to Ephraim and Menashe that they are not considered like the children of Ruvain and Shimon. They're not reckoned as children of Shvatim as tribes, but rather the next generation, there is no generation gap between Ephraim and Menashe and his father, namely that the next generation is becoming like the prior one, without Euridas Hadoros, without this decline of generation. And the truth of the matter is, now you'll appreciate the Pasuk a little more, literally through you, Yosef, because the Orachayim HaKadosh, in a few Pesukim earlier, in chapter 48, Pasuk 6, he asks an incredible question. Why in reality aren't there 14 Shvatim? When God says that there'll be two more, there is Yosef, who's one of the twelve, and now two more is Ephraim and Menashe to give us a total of fourteen. Why not? So he has an incredible concept, and that is, he bases it on a Zohar, at the beginning of Parshas Vayeshev, where Eilatodos Yaakov Yosef, that Yosef is an extension of Yaakov, and as Yaakov is an Av, Yosef is the closest thing to an Av. He cites the Pasuk in Tehillim, Ayin Zion, Tehillim, 77, Pasuk Tezayin, Pasuk 16, whereby the Pasuk says, Go'alta bizroa amecha, you God, with your powerful arm, you redeemed your nation, b'nei Yaakov v'yosef selo. David HaMelech puts Yaakov and Yosef together. Of all the, quote, Achim, of all the Shvatim, there's only one that makes it to the Yushpizen, right? And that is Yosef. So that Yosef himself is a personification of a lack of Yeridas Hadoros between himself and his father, and so too are his children, a lack of Yeridas Hadoros. And so basically, each Friday night, when we bless our sons, we are saying, that just as they were exceptions to the rule, and there was no decline from father to son, so too, says every Abba to his son, you too should actualize your potential, that there should not be a Yeridas Adoros. And interestingly, take a look. What happens with our girls? When we say to our girls and we give them that beautiful bracha, Yisimecha Lokim Kisara Rivka Rachavaleya, keep in mind, what do you find at the very end of chapter 24, at the end of Chayi Sara, when the Torah tells us, Vayivieho Yitzchak Ohela, Yitzchak brings Rivka to the tent of Sara Imo, and what does Rashi tell us there? Vayivieho Ohela, he brings her into the tent, Vinas. And so Rivka represents the implementation of his mother, Sarah. Rashi tells us whatever special character traits Sarah personified, Rivka restored and brought back those identical traits. There is no generation gap between Sarah and Rivka. There is no generation gap between Yaakov and Yosef. There is no generation gap between Yosef and his children. They are not children of, but they're being elevated to the 
status of Shvatim. And so the beautiful bracha that we give our children every Friday night is, number one, they should please God each one in their own way, actualize their potential. And by so doing, they will please God, restore and create that beautiful effect that there will be no generation gaps between the generations. And this is the most beautiful form of Chazak Chazak, the Nishazek. Shabbat Shalom to all. J.M. in the A.M., thank you, Rabbi Yudin. Candle lighting at 419 on this era of Shabbos Parshas Vayechi. A little bit of a crazy week because I was away most of the week, but I did not want this week to end without focusing for at least a few minutes on one of the most important events of the year. How do I know it's an important event? Because Seth Schreiber guaranteed me that it's one of the most important events of the year. The Beta Road annual dinner happens this Tuesday night. You could see and hear the smile on my face. It's one of the best events of the year. Uh, talk about supporting Yerushalayim and being there for Yerushalayim. We get an opportunity this Tuesday, January the 6th, at the Crown Plaza Times Square. I hope everybody will be there. I look forward to greeting you there at Broadway and 49th Street in New York City. Mazal Tov to Dr. Stanley and Carrie Cooper, the Shomer Yerushalayim awardees, and Dr. George and Matty Yeager, um, Magain Yerushalayim awardees, and to both Seth Schreiber, and Shlomo Zwickler, I say Boker Tov, gentlemen. Thank you for joining us here at JM in the AM. Boker Tov, it's our pleasure. Looking How are forward. Boker Tov, Nachum. How are you? Nice to see you. Nice to be seen. Nice to see you as well. The Friday before the dinner. I'm sure things are wonderful. Things are incredible, and you're hearing from everybody how they're coming out for you, Shalayim, this coming Tuesday night. I've said this a million times, and I can't elaborate because we don't have the time this morning to elaborate. But Halavai, every Jewish organization had leadership like Seth Schreiber, who again serves as dinner chairman this coming Tuesday evening. Is it shaping up to be yet another successful dinner for Beit Road? Yes, th- thank God it is shaping up. We are uh, looking forward to it. It's it's always an exciting event. Um, it's a chance for us really to celebrate Binyan Yerushalayim, and and we are we are actually uh, making a difference on the ground, and we look forward every year. To greeting our, our friends and increasing our family. The last time Shlomo was here, one of the things I emphasized to this audience is that it's unbelievable how with this organization, every time we get an update, there's something new. You see it. You go. You visit Beitar Road in northeast Jerusalem on a regular basis. Every time you walk in there, there's something else sprouting up, right? The fact that I don't live in Israel yet is is for me an exciting event because Shlomo lives it and, and breathes it every day, every minute of every day. When I come in, I actually, you know, we, we speak a lot on the phone. We go through our schedules and our planning. But I do see the changes every time uh, I show up, and, and I encourage everybody. When you're in Israel, you need to go to Beit Rot. You need to no make question. it part of your uh, your daily routine. And as I'll mention at the dinner on Tuesday... A lot of January vacation is coming up. Shlomo hopes to greet a lot of families there. Um, you remember when the buildings that are now with residents or not yet? With residents. With residents, mm-hmm. right? The buildings were a dream. They were a plot of land. In fact, you were excited. I remember when they actually cleared the land. That was like a big accomplishment when they cleared the area. <laughs> then, of course, the building started and the groundbreaking ceremony took place, and we were there for that. It was pretty amazing. And then you saw how they all sprouted up, as we like to say, especially in the context of Yerushalayim and the state of Israel, and now you have residents inside those buildings. must be an, a remarkable feeling. You know what? I, I thank everybody who's been part of this. This is uh, 
this is really a communal and, and, and a Jewish event. We're, we're trying to reshape and add to the landscape of Yerushalayim. Um, I do distinctly remember standing there when it was <laughs> brush and then a hole in the ground. And, and a lot of mud. <laughs> yeah, lots of mud. Yeah, we, we, we enjoyed that rainy day together. Oh, did we love it. <laughs> and, and now it's, it's almost, it's, it is surreal. We, uh, we look at the buildings and, and they look like a, a landscape picture. It, they do not look real. And, uh, and what you've accomplished in that scene is going to be replicated. There's going to be more of that coming up. Yes. There's about this, There's, Which is uh, amazing. Uh, the next project is ready, uh, just about ready to get underway. Which it's means more be. families will be moving in, know, and the right. neighborhood will grow. Correct. One of the most important areas of Yushalayim. We know every import, every area of Yushalayim is important. Every area of Israel is important. But we've outlined just how important this area of Yushalayim is, and that will just continue to grow. Um, the Jaegers, as we discussed, Shlomo and I last time, and now I'll discuss it with Seth, are a JM and the AM story. Are you aware of this? Dr. Jaeger was a... Uh, was somebody who was introduced to this amazing Beta Road organization just by listening to the radio. Oh, actually, I did hear that yeah. recently. I is did that hear cool? Yeah. yeah, that is yeah, amazing. That's pretty so, amazing. And I've seen Dr. Yeager at the dinner every year for how many years already? Uh, ten years? Six years? Right? Almost ten years he's been coming so and, he'll, and bringing people with him. So this time he'll be on stage. He'll yes. be accepting an award with his wife, the Magain Yerushalayim Award, and uh, I'm proud to say that he and so many members of his community as that's well. That's right, in Oceanside. In Oceanside, the, uh, New York. Darkly Noam Shul. They have, they have really stepped up. To the point where they make a commitment every year to the day. Every year, and they're very, they're very mockpied. They're very, uh, they're, 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 they specifically do it as a community, meaning everybody right. contributes to the shul, and the shul contributes to the organization. It's a, yeah, it's an important thing for them. Yeah. And Dr. Stanley and Carrie Cooper, Shomer Yushalayim Award. Well, that, that, that's actually a, also a great story. Now, not specifically a Jame and the Am story, but you definitely have your, uh, oh, your, your fingers on this one also. <laughs> um, Dr. Stanley and Carrie, uh, Stan and Carrie are, um, they are in-laws to Ronnie and Bonnie Schwartz. Uh. Uh, Ronnie and Bonnie were from Teaneck, sure. um, also from Green Tree. Uh, right. That's where they go in the summers. <laughs> uh, many people in the audience uh, go there too. I understand. Um, they have a for that's the the Lobo softball the, the team, hub, baseball right? yeah, that the whatever that is right? yeah exactly the hub of logo act, logo activity <laughs> anyways so Ronnie and Bonnie um they're they're they they have uh Ronnie 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 and Bonnie's daughter is married to um uh Stan and Carrie's uh, son who will also be the dinner by the way of course. And Ronnie and Bonnie, how they get to Beit Dorot? Because they came on one of the famous Joey Bodner bus tours. There you go. Uh, several years ago, and uh, <laughs> got very into it. And of course, uh, Joey's uh, more or less part of the Jamie and the AM staff, right? Hundred percent. So uh, you can connect that one also. And that's how everything got involved. And the funny thing is, I when when also Stan and Carrie, they just came on a tour that Ronnie and Bonnie brought them to, and I, you know, just was doing the regular you know the, the thing i was just right. doing you know just just what you always do yeah correct <laughs> and um and uh they just you know really uh really connected and uh, here we are you have made a uh, major announcement in the last few days uh, which we have not yet discussed at length here on this show but let's mention it you've made a major announcement that you've added a keynote speaker somebody who could really get the message across and really in a way bring us a message from washington as well i believe on tuesday night what have you done in terms of keynote speaker for the dinner, Seth. Well, uh, we're happy to announce that uh, our, our former ambassador to the UN, uh, John Bolton, is going to be joining us. And what's nice is uh, where we all might drink the Kool Aid. He, he's a, so to speak, outside of our box, and uh, he understands 
the mission. He understands the 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 truth of what we're trying to accomplish, and he's going to uh, approach the crowd in a very real way with very real facts and statistics. And it's it's worthwhile for everybody here to hear what he has to say. When he was told about what the organization is, I can imagine he said, "Yeah, I could do that." Like you know, <laughs> I, I, I get it, right? I mean, seriously, like yeah, no, a abso- no brainer for him. Absolutely. I mean, it's, it's and a- as you pointed out to me off the air, a lot of very excited people. Some coming to the dinner, others thinking about coming to the dinner, who are very happy he'll be there on Tuesday night. Well, we'll certainly bring the people who are on the fence, who right. who, who, who give me the, the line of, oh, come on, another dinner. Yeah, we want a really good, exciting speaker. Well, now you got a really good, exciting right. speaker. So <laughs> he, certainly, he certainly shines above Shlomo and myself, so <laughs> therefore, uh, you know, we're looking forward to it. It's, it's, it's another added dimension to this year's dinner, um, you know, just... Touching back on on the guests of honor, they right. are the most low key, humble True. individuals. Um, we had a pre dinner this past week, Shlomo and I, with them, just so that we have some quiet time before the event. And it was really a, it was a very rewarding dinner, and and I look forward to them getting the honor that they truly deserve. And and I think uh, having Ambassador Bolton speak just adds a little bit more uh, kavod to the event. Have you been told if Ambassador Bolton likes a particular scotch, or you have not been given those instructions yet? I will be prepared You'll with be, all with everything. Oh. <laughs> there you go. Seth knows how to throw a party. We we've discussed this on the air, right? He knows how to throw a party. Beta Road annual dinner is Tuesday night at the Crown Plaza Times Square, Broadway, and Forty. 49th Street in New York City. There'll be no New Year's revelers out there. People don't have to worry about trying to get through the crowds, right? It'll be a normal, hopefully, Tuesday night. In New York, you never know, but hopefully it'll be a normal Tuesday night. Come pay tribute to the Yeagers and the Coopers. Come enjoy a great dinner. Guaranteed a good meal, as usual. Uh, Well, you know, we we have full faith in Joey, Marty, and Eddie. uh, There you go. uh, Main event caterers. caterers, It's always a good meal. It's always a lot of fun. Honorary chair is Ken Abramowitz. The dinner chair, of course, is with us, Seth Schreiber, and everybody is invited to participate. You can go to the website baitorot.org that's b-e-i-t-o-r-o-t.org or call the number here in jersey at 201-530-0210 that's 201-530-0210 can we state where you'll be for shabbat have you know what community you'll be in it looks like i'll be in teaneck teaneck new jersey that's what it looks like right now speaking or we don't know yet uh unclear only if asked and i don't i don't know exactly where i'll be yet either it's all being uh formulated as we speak all right well good luck I hear the Teaneck crowd are very pro Beta Road, so <laughs> so good luck over there. Yeah, they, they, they say it's Da Teaneck, so it's, uh, yeah. hey, that's a nice. Uh, you like that? Yeah. I like that a lot. Yeah. With all the crazy things people <laughs> say about communities, I like that a lot. Two zero one five three zero zero two one zero. Shlomo Zwickler, Kolakavod. Thank you, Nachum Kolakavod, to you for all of your support of causes that you believe in, especially the cause of building Yerushalayim. We got to keep building Yerushalayim. Seth, thirty seconds. We got to keep building Yerushalayim. You say it every year. Go ahead, sir. I'm going to say it every year, and I'm going to say something that just happened, which was, uh, thank God, under the radar, but over the radar, and that was this vote that just took place in the UN. Right. I have to remind our our family that if we are not proactive and we don't build when we have the opportunity and we don't seize the moment. We are going to uh, uh, be facing much more uh, greater challenges down the road. The fact that this vote was was killed at this point doesn't mean it'll be killed next time. And the only thing that will stop that from ever happening is us building more, spreading our people, having more more Jews and more kids laughing in the streets, and making that a very very solid part of the extension of Yerushalayim and making sure that there's no such thing as East and West Yerushalayim. It's our Yerushalayim. Look forward to seeing you Tuesday night. Thank you very much. Seth Schreiber, Shlomo Zwickler, always a delight to speak about their work with Beit Dorot. Uh, Friday morning, Erev Shabbos, Parshas Vayechi with candle lighting at 419 on this Erev Shabbos.
want to wish a happy 55th wedding anniversary to Gail and Itzy Weintraub, the world's number one set of in-laws. They got married 55 years ago today, and they should continue to have much nachas from their uh, from all the generations that are sprouting forth in the family. Mazal tov from uh, all of us here at JM in the AM. I want to remind everybody coming up at 9 a.m. right after JM in the AM, Table for Two with Naomi Nachman is going to be on our stream at jmtheam.org. You'll be able to see the entire production on our uh, Homepage nachomsegel.com. Today it's CKCA. She chats with Jesse Blonder, director of the Center for Kosher Culinary Arts. Chef instructor Avram Weissman is going to be included. Two graduates who've had successful careers will be included. Dini Klein from Dini Delivers and the chef from the Loft Restaurant in Brooklyn, Mechi Kornfeld. They all join Naomi at nine o'clock this morning on table for two. Then our amazing Arab Shabbos music mix coming up all day long. Make sure to be tuned in on our stream at jmnam.org, or as Seth does when he's uh, around the world on the NSN app, so you can listen in and hear all the great Erev Shabbos selections. Tomorrow night, Saturday night, Seagull with Avrami starts at 10 p.m. Eastern time. And then on uh, Sunday, Matis hosts JM Sunday, and that's going to be this Sunday from 7 a.m. until 9 a.m. That is done live every single Sunday, so check it out. TABC dinner is Sunday. Mazal tov to the Foremans, to Norman Blumenthal, to Eitan Blumen. They're all being honored by TABC. Teaneck, New Jersey, this coming Sunday, Mazal Tov, and also the JESC of Bergen County has their 28th annual breakfast, honoring Shirley and Solomon Beton and Dina and Moshe Kindelera this Sunday at 9.30 in the morning at Keter Torah in Teaneck, New Jersey, Mazal Tov. And a reminder about Mothers of Multiples, the Mothers of Multiples support group presents Dvora Cooperman, a mother of multiples, in the 17th anniversary celebration of the group with Ms. Shea Cares and Maimonides Medical Center this coming Tuesday at 8 p.m. at Maimonides Hall in Brooklyn. Information, speak to Mati Atlas, M-A-T-T-I dot Atlas at Yahoo.com. Time to say good Shabbos with Journeys at JM in the AM. The sun is going Shining through the trees Another week's gone by Become a memory So throw away your hammer There's nothing left to do Go on home and find the gift That's waiting there for you Oh, it's time to say good job Done. Gonna spend the day together with the Holy One. Say special blessing on a cup that's filled with wine. Man and his creator, it's a very special sign. Your candles will be burning. Well into the night So throw away your hammer There's nothing left to do Go on home and find a gift That's waiting there for you Oh, it's time to say good Shabbos Cause all your work is done Gonna spend with the Holy One. Say special.
Our brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard and listeners sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope, Rockland County at 91.9 on the FM dial. Broadcasting live from the Sonia and Robert Gold Studios in Jersey City, New Jersey, around the world on the web, jmtheam.org. Thanks for tuning in. Naomi Nachman next. Table for two coming up. The video is up at nachomsegel.com. You can watch the whole show. And, of course, hear it at jmtheam.org. Erev Shabbos Music Stream will go all day long. Make sure to be tuned in. Try the brand-new NSN app to tune in. Pretty amazing. Have a fabulous Shabbos, wonderful weekend. Uh, Monday, we are back starting at 6 a.m. Make sure to be tuned in. Till then, Alchem Siegel reminding you, remember to pass, live the present, and trust the future.